I'm Candace Long with Lessons in the Latter Days, offering biblical commentary to make sense of the times that we're living in. Jesus put a lot of emphasis on the comparison between the coming day of the Lord and the time period that he termed the days of Noah. What were those days like? Today in part two, we're going to examine God's timetable for the flood and his early warning system. What we're looking for are insights as to what God would have us do while this end of days is unfolding. First of all, we must understand that we have never, ever walked this way before. There is no template. However, God deposits clues and hidden pictures called Tavniot all throughout Scripture. And as we need to understand what's going on, He will uncover them to those who have eyes to see and ears to hear. For instance, when Jesus died for our sins, never in a thousand years did the Jews of the day realize that Messiah would die also to save Gentiles. That was entirely new revelation that the Father reserved for the Apostle Paul. Paul writes in Galatians 1, The gospel which was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through a revelation of Jesus the Messiah. The Greek word used for the word revelation is apocalypsis which means to take off the cover and reveal or disclose something. Like its meaning had been hidden for a long time, and at an appointed time God sent an angel to take the covering off and reveal it. This is what I believe God is doing now with the coming kingdom. Like he did with Paul, God assigns revelation to be revealed to people that he has tested over many years. There are a lot of voices out there talking about the end of days. How do you know which ones to trust? Let me explain something. Those of us who are called to teach have to be vetted very carefully to see how well we steward revelation that we've been given by God, especially concerning the end of days. God wants to know what do we do with revelation we receive. Do we hoard it? Do we try to make money off of it? Do we plan Facebook campaigns about it in order to gain followers and sell books? Or do we seek ways to apply it to our lives and then teach others and give warnings if that revelation has to do with warning God's people about something? Now, some who listen to the series may ask, why would God give you revelation of the latter days? Why you? We all have the Holy Spirit. And this is a fair question. Absolutely, every follower of Jesus has the Holy Spirit inside of them. But just as Paul was tested for 17 years in preparation for releasing the revelation God gave him concerning Messiah dying for the Gentiles, I want to counter any critics out there to say that I have been tested as well for many, many years about the things I'm teaching. 
Now, I'm not comparing myself to the Apostle Paul by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm teaching you a principle I believe you will find consistent throughout Scripture, that God always gives warning when something significant is about to happen to his children, and he vigorously tests those persons who are to become the messengers. Now, my first writing assignment concerning the latter days ended up being one of my toughest tests. The year was 1990. My son was spending time with his father, and I found myself alone on Christmas. So on this particular day, I was sitting on top of the dryer in the midst of doing laundry, and I was listening to a last day's conference about the coming day of the Lord. Suddenly, I sensed with everything in me that the Lord wanted a screenplay written to prepare people for his coming. Now, I had written a musical, but I had never written a screenplay before, and I said, Lord, surely you have somebody in Hollywood to do this. Now, the next morning, I was reading a devotional from Isaiah 6, and the Lord said, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? I noticed in the scripture that God didn't say, Isaiah, I want you to do such and such. He simply expressed his heart and asked whom to send. Now, what happened was that Isaiah heard the Lord's heart, and he said, well, here am I, send me. And that's when the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, you have heard the voice of the Lord. He wants his children prepared for what is coming. Will you do this? So later that day, I was still reeling from the soberness of the request. I said, yes, Lord, I will do it. Now, my answer, that assignment, became a screenplay entitled The 70th Week, and it took five years to write. The assignment required that I cut in half the time I spent at my ad agency, which basically cut my income in half. I dedicated three hours every Monday through Friday for five years to this assignment. That's 3,900 hours working on a God assignment for no money. Now, not only did it require me to research all of the biblical prophecies surrounding the last days, but also, I had to get up to speed on the Middle East crisis, the New Age movement, the world banking system, and the one-world government that had been forming since the 1970s. I also had to learn how to write a screenplay, create believable characters, understand dramatic story structure, and how to do business in Hollywood. I started an entertainment development company, and Invested time in reading The Hollywood Reporter every day to learn who the players were and what kinds of stories they were looking for. I then invested time and money to regularly travel to L.A. to meet with production companies and begin to network as a screenwriter. Once I had a first draft, I then contracted with a script consultant and paid her $350 to read my script and give me one hour of feedback. All of this is what was required to take that next step for one assignment. There was no easy way. No producer was waiting for my script. I had to walk the walk of hearing God and doing what I promised to do, 
which ended up costing me close to a half a million dollars in time and money. Now, my script got as far as 20th Century Fox and Universal, and like many other ventures in my life, this was ahead of its time. I was a fledgling, an unknown, and my script would have cost millions to produce. It was written before the Omega Code and long before the Left Behind series. Now, when these movies opened and became hits, I was very despondent. I complained, Lord, why did I have to do all this if you had somebody all along who was going to write these screenplays? And he was silent for a long time, and then finally answered in a still, small voice, I wanted to see if you would be obedient. I'm telling you this because God goes to every expense to test the character and the work ethic of his servants. He will not give groundbreaking revelation to someone who simply wants to make money off of it. Let's turn now to the timetable of Noah's days. In the episode called How Close Are We?, I outlined the seven-day plan of God that is the foundation that our Jewish forefathers used to understand the end of days before the kingdom. It is a beautiful example of a tavnit, which, as you recall, is an exact picture or replica of something with multiple levels of meaning. I want to show you four different instances how this seven-day plan of God relates to the days of Noah and then relates to us. First, let's look at the first seven days that God outlines in Genesis. God himself created, sustained, and managed everything for six days. And then came a day that was different. It was the seventh day. And God set that day apart, and he sanctified it as holy and instructed his children to spend the entire day with him. So the plan, the template, was six days, followed by a seventh that was different and brought the people into the presence of God. Now, the Lord called this day the Sabbath, which means rest. And as we learned last time, that's what Noah's name means, rest. Now, the second time we see this template is found in the order of our patriarchs leading up to the flood in Noah's day. The first six of them were Adam, Seth, Enosh, Canaan, Mahalalel, and Jared. And then came the seventh. Only something was different about our seventh patriarch. His name was Enoch. And what happened to Enoch? He went up. Jasher records before Enoch was taken to heaven that about 800,000 men came to him to learn all of the wisdom they could before he left the earth. And Jasher writes, Those that remained went with Enoch six days' journey. And it was upon the seventh day that Enoch ascended into heaven in a whirlwind with horses and chariots of fire. So Enoch, our seventh patriarch, was snatched up to heaven by the Lord on day seven, preserved safe, able to rest, while judgment 
was poured out on earth. The third time we see this six days followed by a unique seventh happened during the days of Noah. God made it very clear that the time clock for Noah to enter the ark was exactly to the day when Noah turned 600. The 600 years of Noah's life is a tough neat or picture for the earth being in existence for six days or 6,000 years. That very moment when it turns into the seventh day is Tishri 1, Rosh Hashanah, the new year, the exact day when the day of the Lord will begin. So God had Noah act out the entire picture for us so that we would know what is going to happen in the future. Noah was shut inside the ark, and the waters of the deep burst forth, and he and his family were lifted up and preserved safe while everything on earth was destroyed and cleansed by water. Now the fourth time we see this same pattern is what Jesus referred to when he said that the day of his coming would be as it was in the days of Noah. Same picture. What was will be again. When we reach the end of 6,000 years since creation, that day will be Tishri 1, Rosh Hashanah, the day of the Lord, day 7. And on that day, two simultaneous things will happen. Those who walk with God, like Noah, will be taken up to the marriage supper of the Lamb, while seven years of judgment are poured out on earth. This is an amazing picture that God repeats over and over and gives us instruction. Let's look now at the warnings that Noah was given. First, we see the warning from Genesis itself. Chapter 6 describes the Lord's disgust at the angels who fell and began breeding the Nephilim race with earthly women. Verse 3 reads, My spirit shall not abide in man forever, for he is flesh, but his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. Now this 120-year mention has been a source of confusion, suggesting, for example, that God limited the age of the Nephilim to 120 years. However, Rashi, the famous 11th century rabbi, explains that the Lord was saying, for 120 years, I will be long-suffering with them, and if they do not repent, I will bring a flood upon them. Now, in the latter days of Methuselah, Jasher records that the people living on earth at the time all turned away from the Lord. And Jasher writes, they corrupted the earth. They robbed and plundered each other, and they rebelled against God, and they transgressed, and would not listen to the voice of Methuselah, who was their leader, but rebelled against him. The Lord was furious. He began destroying the seed in those days, meaning that God disrupted their agricultural system and their food supply. He was releasing his judgments on the people, but Jasher explains that he held the flood back because of his faithfulness to the godly patriarchs who were still alive. Now, takeaway one is a lot of people wonder why God doesn't just purge the earth of its filth now. Now, we've seen several reasons so far. First of all is the mercy of God. 
waiting for any signs of repentance from the people. Secondly, we see his regard to protect the godly ones from getting swept up in the judgment. And thirdly, he releases his judgment more slowly to get across to the people that the wrath of God is building against them. Again, I believe, hoping their hearts will turn back to him. Jasher records that when Noah was 480 years old, everyone who followed the Lord had died. Only Methuselah and Noah were left. And God said to those two, For thus saith the Lord, Behold, I give you a period of 120 years. If you will turn to me and forsake your evil ways, then will I also turn away from the evil which I told you, and it shall not exist. Now, takeaway number two is that God held back his anger for 120 years. And during that time, Noah and Methuselah were busy preaching repentance to the people pleading with them to turn back and follow the ways of the Lord again. All the while, the Lord was watching to see any movement toward him from the people. It did not come. Now, I see this happening now in the growing numbers of preachers and teachers calling for repentance and warning about the wrath of God that is building up. Sadly, it's still life as usual. We cannot force people to listen. Our responsibility is to give the warning. The Lord next told Noah to marry and began having children, for he had chosen Noah to repopulate the earth after the flood. Now Noah was 498 years old when he married, and he took Naamah, the daughter of Enoch, as his wife. And she was 580 years old, by the way. Two years later, she gave birth to Japheth. And in two more years, when Noah was 502, she gave birth to Shem. Now, takeaway number three, I know some couples are holding back from having children because of how bad the times are. But God had a purpose for Noah's children that they had no way of knowing. So if you are uncertain about whether to start a family now, I would simply say listen carefully to the Lord. He may have a wonderful purpose for you to have children, even when it doesn't seem practical. In the year 1651, after creation, five years before the flood, Jasher records that all of the sons of men who knew the Lord died in that year writing, The Lord willed them to die so as not to behold the evil that God would bring upon their relatives as he had declared to do. This third takeaway is a little more sober. We may see more and more godly leaders experience early deaths. Now, this action by the Lord, namely to withhold judgments until after the godly ones have died, is seen other times in Scripture. We saw the Lord do this with King Josiah in 2 Kings 22 when he told Josiah, You shall be gathered to your grave in peace, and your eyes shall not see all of the evil which I will bring upon this place. This was the very same year when the godly ones died, when the Lord gave instruction to Noah to build the ark to save his family and the animals. 
Now, God had a set timetable when Noah would enter the ark. That was his 600th birthday. Now, Methuselah was still alive during the building, but God gave Noah an important clue as to when the flood would start. In Hebrew, Methuselah means his death shall bring it. So since he was the last godly patriarch remaining, that meant that his death would signal that the flood was at the doorstep. And sure enough, Methuselah died at the age of 969. Right after his death, the Lord told Noah, get into the ark. Now in Genesis 7, God got more specific and said that the rains would come in seven days. So Noah had all of one week to get all the animals as well as his family settled in the ark. Now in this fourth takeaway, I want us to review God's timeline before the flood. First, God gave 120 years final warning for the people to repent. When they did not, he started a five-year time clock until the flood and gave Noah the strategy of using that five years to build an ark to save his family. During those five years as well, he willed the godly ones to die early so they would not witness all the evil that was coming on their relatives. When those five years were up, Noah was given just seven days to settle everyone in the ark, and then the floodwaters burst forth. God kept Noah and his family safe and brought them to rest, all while the judgment was poured out on the earth. Now, this next part is not a thus saith the Lord, but it is a reasonable application for today. What if, when we reached the year 1900, God gave 120 years for us to repent. That brought us to 2020. Now, has our nation shown signs of repentance? On the contrary, we see signs of His judgment in many areas. Weather disasters, disease, threatening food supply, and unstable finances. Further application would indicate that we may have been given five more years after 2020, which would mean 2025 when the day of the Lord might come. Now, if this is a correct application of the Tavnit, then clearly we do not have much time. During this time, though, God will be giving us strategies in how to keep our families safe. Has he been speaking to you about this? Now, for further application, do not be shocked if many godly leaders are taken home earlier than anticipated. That, too, would be in keeping with God's mercy and regard for them. And if you were to be like Noah, left to go through some frightening things before that day actually begins, have your ears open because the Lord will be revealing ways to keep you and your family safe while judgment falls on others around you. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is as attentive to our timetable heading toward the day of the Lord as He was in Noah's day headed toward the flood. 
In Psalm 27, David writes that he will hide us in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal us under the cover of his tent and set us high upon a rock. That's our promise and our hope. If you want to share this series on Noah with others, you'll find them on my podcast page at CandiceLong.com. I want to thank you so much for listening. Join me next time for more about Noah's Day on Lessons in the Latter Days. God bless.